I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing us your story, the awesome tips on how to grow on YouTube, how to battle kind of the fears that people are having, you know, with posting videos on YouTube. And just, it was just an awesome conversation. So thank you so much for coming on the show. And my name is Kyler Miles. I'm the host of the Making It Happen podcast. Why don't you just take the opportunity to like introduce yourself? Like I'm already recording. So if you want to introduce yourself and then I can, I have a few questions prepared, but really man, like super, super unscripted. And I just want to have a conversation and just learn more about what you do. So give us a little taste on who you are and what you do. Yeah. So I'm, uh, my name's Sid. Um, I'm a content creator as of the last little bit. Um, My story kind of started I'm 34 years old. I, my parents are from India and they immigrated here back in the seventies and they kind of lived the so-called American dream or Canadian dream, as you would say. (laughs) And, you know, it was easier back then you go to college, you get a degree, you have a family and you can live off one salary. And uh, in 2004, I started uh, my degree in engineering in Alberta and uh, I almost got kicked out of school after the first year. I didn't take my studies seriously. And, you know, when you're, I grew up in a small town in rural Alberta and I was the valedictorian, but then when you go to like a bigger city, you're with the cream of the crop. Like everybody who's there is just as smart as you, if not smarter. Mm -hmm. And I almost got kicked out, but then I straightened out my act. I graduated thankfully five years later and I worked most of my life as a project manager on like major infrastructure projects. And I loved it because you work in, as an engineer, you work in big teams, you have to deal with the public, you're dealing with technical specialists. And you get to work on these cool projects, but it wasn't until like two or three years into my career, I started to apply for, you know, moving up the corporate ladder. And yeah. I just was having trouble with it. I hate doing job interviews. I felt like it was just sort of insincere and it's kind of all fake and that kind of stuff. And you're really relying on people um, who may be not smarter than you or just as smart um, to really dictate your life. Like they're going to make a decision that can impact your entire career. And a lot of my peers were getting promoted over me. And I was like, I got to start a side hustle. But it was never intended to become my full-time job. I started as a dating coach, actually. Like back in, I I met my wife online. Um, I'd worked with a dating coach um, and in 2012. And I realized like, okay, I was good at writing because I'd written a lot um, when I was younger. And uh, I started helping guys write dating profiles. And I did seminars and we did all that stuff. And you made a little bit of side cash, but it was hard to listen to people's problems. And, you know, a lot of them were self-inflicted and I just couldn't deal with that. So I started YouTube and uh, YouTube is tricky because you have to find the right niche. Like YouTube's really crowded. And it wasn't until 2017, um, the place where I was working went through a major reorg, like major restructuring. Mm it felt like they were firing people every day or every week and they'd send out emails to everybody. And uh, I had never experienced that level of anxiety in my life ever. Like, Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, panic attacks and that kind of stuff. And fearful uh, for your job kind of thing. Yeah, just fearful for my job. And I I wish I could go back in time and tell myself like, you know, you're totally capable. You're good at what you do. You have nothing to worry about, but I was young and, you know, I was in my early in my career. A lot of my, like my boss left and, good coworkers who I'd worked with that just left the organization. And I was like, I'm done with this. Like I am going to put all my effort into just dictating my own path. I was like, it was mm. almost kind of like 
a middle finger to the the system, not my job, but just the <laughs> system of how corporate life works. And I started a YouTube channel and it was originally a Guns N' Roses channel. Like, and it blew up to like 50,000 subs, but you kind of plateau. And it wasn't until a month before my daughter was born in 2019, I started Rock and Roll True Stories, which is like pretty much my full-time gig almost. I still have my day job, but um, that blew up like beyond belief like i had no idea i was going to blow up to what it did today i mean within two years we're at two hundred and twenty-five thousand subs which is wow yeah and um yeah it's just it just it's it was the first after 2017 it was the first time in my life i would actually go into work and never have anxiety and just almost like have a rock and roll attitude like you know what i'm really confident in myself and i know i'm totally capable i didn't fear anything but I had my coworkers who I'd see were stressed out. They were fearful for their jobs. I just didn't have that attitude. I finally had the freedom in my life to be like, I've got something to fall back on that I love and I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. And that's what took a lot of precedence in my life. Like that was my focus, that and my family. And a lot of that was made possible because like I have an amazing wife who's like super supportive and she's, she's in marketing. So she's kind of different than engineering, but she's got a really good like long-term vision and very structured in what she does. Yeah. Yeah. You know, said your story, although it's very unique to you, is there's a lot of similarities. I, I've interviewed maybe 30 to 50 guests, and I hear this a lot that what they 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 followed their interests and it wasn't had no intention, no monetization plan, no strategy. Just I want to do this. You know, I'm I'm you were feeling stressed, you weren't sure what's going to happen. And you just fell into this kind of interest and just like, I just need to do something more. And it ended up being it blowing up because you're talented because you're interested in and you're passionate and thus you put work into it. Right. And now you're sitting here that you could easily fall back to this, this career, this YouTube career. It's crazy. Like I, I basically, when I look at it, I'm like, I make videos for a living almost. And it's just like the craziest thing. Cause I went to school for four years. Like it was a hard or five years. It was the hardest school I'd ever done in my career, but it's kind of weird too. When you're going through anxiety in life, you almost feel like you're the only one going through it. Like nobody knew what I was dealing with in my personal life at that time at work, except my boss who I talked to. But as my channel grew and my side business grew, I started to like realize like a lot of my coworkers were going on stress leave. They were dealing with the mm. same stuff I was, if not worse. And it kind of was like, wow, there's something really wrong here. Like if people are feeling this way. Like you should not be going to work and feeling that about your career. And I was like, I'm really glad that I have this to fall back on. Cause a lot of people aren't lucky yeah. enough to, to, do, to have that in their life. Yeah. You know, I never went to engineering school, but I, I did get a diploma in sales and marketing. And I I thought graduating, I would be a salesman, you know, the part-time jobs I had when I was in high school, moving into college were all around selling stuff. And I thought that would be my career. And for five years that was, but when I look back and how I woke up and how I looked at Monday mornings was like the worst thing. I'm now excited to get to work on that project. You know, there's not, not everything is perfect in my life, but I would say majority of it, I am happy to be creating content. Like I'm happy to be doing the thing that I love. And I see that in you as well. I see that you are happy doing this. And that's the, at least for me, my definition of success and what I try to instill in other people is that to find that passion, find that interest, right? Because it's so easy for it to snowball into something much, much bigger. 
and and um, similar to your story, like I I did lose my job. Like I wasn't fearful. I I moved to Montreal. I got laid off a, along with a hundred other people, and I was in a province that I didn't speak the first language. You know, and I'm still <laughs> still learning it. Um, yeah, it's difficult. It, it's and you're right and like I had a little bit of a safety net, a little bit of savings, but not much, right? I couldn't survive for more than three months. So I had to get a job, but I just pursued a passion of mine. Like, you know, I applied for dozens and dozens of jobs. And the, it's funny that the only one that really called me was the one that I was passionate about. Yeah. And I think it comes through and like, whenever you're applying for jobs or whatever it may be, like right now, I, excuse me. I mean, I still have my day job and, um, we went through a round of layoffs. There's going to be more layoffs this year. And um, if this was me like four years ago, I would probably be a lot more stressed out before I start my channel. But now I'm like, I'm almost like just telling me if I'm going to be laid off and I can pursue my real passion. I mean, I still do the best job I can in my job, but nothing stresses me out anymore about it. It's like, I'm really confident in what I know. And it's probably because, you know, as you get work 10 years in your career, you're more seasoned, you've kind of seen everything. So nothing yeah. kind of surprises you. But I still, I, the thing I do, the reason I still have my day job is because I feel like the most important part for me, at least, is having that social interaction. When you're a YouTube content mm. creator, in terms of like the stuff I do, you don't really get that. It's kind of like you're working just by yourself or with a team that you're maybe briefly talked to, but that's about it. And that, that's the, the hardest part. But, you know, I, the only thing that stresses me out about YouTube is like, there's so many good ideas I have in my head and my, my subscribers have <laughs> that I just don't, I'll probably be dead by the time I even get to all the ideas. So, um, yeah. It's just uh, every morning I wake up and I'm like, oh, what can I do today on my channel or something? It's really, yeah. it's awesome to feel that way about, you know, your career and your passion. Yeah. Is there going to be a point where, you know, that you make the decision, the decision to make and, and go full time into YouTube? Um, it's, it's hard to say, like, I don't really have a crystal ball, but I mean, where I am now in my career, I've been working for 11, 12 years. I still enjoy it. Um, I'm still learning because uh, I do like I've moved, changed jobs in the last couple of years and I, I wanted to really be well-rounded for me. It's important in my career that I'm still well-rounded and I'm still using my degree. But I mean, my wife and I were talking about, I said, you know, maybe I could go into work one day when I'm like 45 and be like, I'm done. And I just like walk out like, who knows, maybe I film it and put it on YouTube. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I'm still enjoying my job. So I don't, I don't know. It's also harder. Like when my daughter's going to, we have a two-year-old daughter and when she grows up and um, starts going to school or when COVID's over, like maybe we want to go live somewhere else. So maybe that's when I'll make the transition, but there's still a lot of balls up in the air. We're still like, thinking about yeah. it. But the important thing is I'm hearing from you is you're still interested in your job, right? Like, yeah, I yeah. was, I was kind of in a denial state that I would, this is what I was meant to do. But when I look back, it really wasn't like, you know, there are aspects of the job I really liked. Like if, if anyone listening or watching, you know, if you've made a sale before, it feels amazing. Right. But that high is for five minutes and uh, you have a whole quarter to work up to that high. Right. So it's, it's a grind for sure. Oh yeah. Like, it's so funny. Like I don't really tell the people I work with like that. I have a YouTube channel. You're totally allowed to, but I just like, it's like this personal thing that you kind of have off to the side that's really fun and entertaining but it's funny when I would go into my office before because I'm working from home now people would tell me what they think YouTube is like like they'd be like oh I know this kid he reviews toys I would just want to have that life where I put out one video and become a millionaire and it's like 
no youtube is a grind like you have to be driven in order to succeed yeah. you gotta always be creating and that's why people have burnout on youtube as well like i've had burnout on youtube and that's why i'm not doing as many videos but it's like a really delicate balance um mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's it's something that you really have to take it yeah it's not as easy as nothing people only look at the end goal they never look at the hard work that it took to get there of course right and yeah. and there was a, a survey i saw and and i'll link the survey below because i'm going to butcher the the stats but this is what it basically said it said they did a survey of about a hundred thousand people of youtube um creators people who had channels and posted videos on their channels and it was around the hundred thousand um uh, mark right and almost 50% of them stopped after one month of their YouTube channel. Almost half of them just completely stopped. And then there were stats around like three months, a year. And then that number slowly went up to like 70%, right? But the the under uh, one year, almost 70% of YouTubers bailed, right? Yeah. And it is, it's a tough platform. So do you have any advice for people who want that content creator life, that YouTube life, and they are passionate about it. Do you have any tips you can give them if they're starting out on YouTube? I think the the best tip I have is like, we were talking about passions. Like the first thing you really got to ask yourself is what are you passionate about? For me, it was rock and roll and music. And then the second thing is like, how occupied is that space in YouTube? So like, go look on YouTube and see how many people are doing that topic. So maybe it's photography for some or Uh, coaching for others and then I try you know for me there wasn't a lot of people telling the same kind of stories that I was doing and I I, if there are people in your niche I mean you could always just see what are they doing good and where could they improve and that's like an opportunity for you to kind of slide in and like fill that gap so I Mm. think those two things like what are you passionate about and what is your competition doing and then you can use like keyword research tools like to to see how what's the volume of searches that people are doing for that particular topic um, ours is pretty generic. We do rock and roll. So our stories go from sixties to like, I grew up during the nineties. So like mostly it's up to the nineties, late, early two thousands. And, mm-hmm. um, I found, I think a good niche for like eighties to two thousands stories. Like that seems to be the most popular stuff on our channel. Anything that's too new, people are like, no, I don't want to yeah. hear it too much. Yeah. Okay. And do you have any like sort of fears or insecurities when you're starting your YouTube journey? Cause I know that's a oh, yeah. very common um, and I've experienced this and I still yeah. am experiencing this, but have you, have you experienced like self-doubt or oh, yeah, know, fearful? That's, that's totally normal part of life in general, right? Like when I started my rock and roll true stories channel, it was, um, I just put it up there. And if you watch some of my early videos, they were terrible. Like the, I, I was living in a different place and I didn't have a, like a studio to record in and it sounded like a fishbowl. And the, the, I made tons of mistakes. I still sometimes make mistakes to this day. My audience tells me that. Um, and then, you know, the, uh, the audio, the video was terrible. Like it was just like one standard clip. Now it's like more cinematic, my stories. And I, even today, like when I put up videos, I still get a little nervous. Like, oh, how are people going to like it? And is it going to take mm-hmm. off? Um, yeah. And then I sometimes wonder like, where am I going to be a year from now? Am I going to run out of stories to tell? Like those mm. kinds of insecurities come up. And my wife and I were talking about like getting more people on board to join the team. So you know, somebody who's like doing creative stuff now compared to engineering, it's like a completely new area for me. So it's like a little nerve wracking. So yeah. that's, those are the kinds of fears that I have, which I'm sure a lot of creators have. Like as you grow up, as your channel grows, you then start dealing with business stuff, which I don't care much for. I just want to create. But then you start getting, you know, lawyers and accountants involved and people do research for you because you just can't do it all yourself. So those yeah. kinds of things 
create a little bit of anxiety. It's like, oh, it's like, it's just, it almost gets too big. Like the best thing I could tell people is like, there's no book on how to deal with sometimes like sh getting that successful sometimes overnight. Like you just have to kind of deal with it and see how what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was my, my next question. Like, how do you overcome this fear, right? Like, how do you tackle it, right? Because you're still posting. So you are yeah. dealing with it, right? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is I sometimes have to just stop and reflect and be like, just, you know, be present and like, just remember, there's not a lot of anybody who I know in my personal life, like you're doing something extraordinary that most average people aren't. And you should just be lucky that you're enjoying the ride. And hmm. I always just, when I was, um, after the horrible stuff in 2017 happened, I always just remind myself, you know, things will work out. We'll figure it out. And I used to always tell myself that as a project manager, go to these meetings on these complicated projects. And I'd always be like, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Things will work out. And they always did. So it's just like, sometimes you got to slow down and just like, you yeah. know, take stock of what you're doing right now. And, um, I, I find like meditating definitely helps. I think like project managers are probably the, the best people to talk to about dealing with like when shit hits the fan, you know, when things, oh, yeah. cause it doesn't matter what project it always happens, you know? Like, oh yeah. Things always go wrong. Even simple projects that I worked on, they become more complicated than they should, <laughs> but it's just like projects are like life, right? You know, things mm -hmm. never go according to plan and you have to be prepared and, you know, you have to be able to, uh, change you know to adjust whatever to whatever the situation is yeah mm -hmm. so going back to maybe sharing some advice to people who want to learn about youtube because i'm sure that's going to be a part of this title or a part of the description yeah. of this episode uh something you wrote about in your bio is the importance of knowing your niche and we hear it a lot right knowing your niche yep. knowing your niche and a lot of people don't know what they want for breakfast, let alone what their niche should be. Um, that was me this morning. Um, yeah. Do you have any kind of advice for finding out what your niche should be? You said research, you know, uh, what is the topics going on right now? Like interests, but also the topics. Is there anything else um, you can maybe share about finding a proper niche? Yeah. I mean, another thing I would do, like in addition to do, asking yourself what you're passionate about, and then also seeing what your competition's doing is uh, actually looking at the comments. Like one thing that we do on our channel is we, we involve our audience a lot in the content mm -hmm. that gets created. We have like a, a, a Google sheet that people can fill out and tell us exactly what they want to see on the channel. So like looking at that data, it can help us uh, narrow down, like there's themes, like people request the same stories or bands. And we can say, we'll tailor our content towards that. But if you're starting out on YouTube, a lot of it too comes from like just looking at comments, right? Like I've noticed on a lot of YouTubers channels, they'd be like, oh, you should do this. Or I wish you would do this. Or, can you cover this topic? And it's like, you can get ideas just from harvesting the comments. And mm. you can be like, oh, maybe like there's a, there's something there. Like for me, I follow a lot of like fat, um, men's fashion channels and like mm -hmm. I see tons of con those guys get millions of subs. There's tons of comments there and you can take those comments and be like, Oh, there's something I can maybe do, or maybe that's something mm -hmm. that this person is not doing on their channel. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, we, tr for us, once you get big enough um, on your channel, then you can just like, we automated it. So it's just so much easier to harvest ideas and, and really show our audience that we like actually listen to them. Mm -hmm. Is there any like, beginner mistakes that you made um yeah, if you're gonna go back in time and you know tell yourself younger sid you know don't do this it, what would you say oh god there's like so many mistakes i made um <laughs> i'm as per i'm as imperfect as they come but um i would probably say that you know first of all like record 
in a, like an actual studio space. One thing we did a year into our channel is we worked with a YouTube coach. So he gave us a lot of advice that I wish I would have known when we started like recording in like a place where there's not a lot of echo um, using um, using stock footage, that kind of stuff. Um, we upgraded our editing software. So I wish I would have learned some of the fancier editing software much early on. Cause I literally was using final, um, not final. I was using uh, iMovie uh, hey. early on and you know, you can get by with iMovie. You don't need to have the fanciest software, but yeah. um, I wish I would have learned that really early on. And I wish I would have probably um, been a little more thorough and like reviewing my scripts. Cause I mean, I made tons of mistakes. I still make the occasional mistake here and there, but I was just trying to see if there was an audience and mm -hmm. um, you know, I've luckily I found there was, but then those old videos stay up. So we're trying to redo some of our old content to like make it for the fact that the quality wasn't very good. So I wish it was like better quality, better audio. And just, I wish I would have learned some skills earlier on, like using more advanced software. Those were probably yeah. the most important things. Yeah. I find that like when people ask me, um, because I am a content creator, I create um, like for the business I work for, I manage their podcasts, but then um, all the different types of video content. So um, I always say audio is first, like audio yes. is the number one thing because yeah. people can forgive visuals, you know, yeah. because they can listen and there's video podcasts that have no titles, no fancy transitions like this. Well, I will edit out some things, but 95% of it is just us talking and that can do very, very well. You don't need the fancy transitions. Um, it's, but the audio is very, very important and investing in, in any equipment versus camera, it would be a really, really good microphone. Or um, I use for the video that you were talking about um, earlier that I just posted, I actually recorded that on my phone in oh, my really? closet. Yeah, because um, at the time, like I was just replacing my microphone. So I was, I didn't have a proper uh, podcast mic. And this is my backup mic that I'm using right now. And so I saw a YouTube video, like how to get good audio without the equipment. And they suggested your iPhone and in your closet. And I did it. First take is it, that's how it sounded. You know, a little bit of tweaking, but it was really really well, good it's funny you mentioned like i'm literally sitting in my closet right now and that's where <laughs> this is where i record all my audio and yeah. um it's tiny but it works and then yes the uh now that i remember when i started my channel i was literally using a uh, you remember that video game rock band and guitar hero love that game yeah I, that's it. how i yeah. that's how i got into um rock that's how i really got deeper into rock and roll music and kind of re rediscovered it i had one of those mics that i was using and like in my living room which was just like the um, most echoey living room ever and then i went and bought like a blue yeti mic um with the pop filter on it and that's what i used to record all my stuff so mm -hmm. that's what the coach excuse me had said that you should use like your audio is first and foremost. And then when I go back, look at my old comments, people like your audio is the levels are jumping really loud in some spots or too low. So yeah. I, over the years I've learned like these compressor effects and that kind of stuff to level out the audio. Um, I wish I would have known that when I started. Yeah. And, and perfect, you, like perfection too, is you'll never achieve it. Right. And yeah. it's, it's so common. I did this too. Like it's very easy when you, when you start, like YouTube, and I'm not at the level you're at at all, but um, just looking at the amount of uh, videos I've seen on YouTube and how much thousands of dollars 
it could cost you to invest in the fancy camera, the yeah. audio equipment, the lighting, the ND filters. I mean, it, it can really, really put pressure on your bank account. And to, to your point, to know like what your needs are and then and then get the equipment that fits those needs versus like, oh, I'm going to get everything and that will make me good, right? Because you have to develop your pitch, develop your style, either on camera and audio before, I, at least I believe, you make it to that next step. Yeah, like when we, after a first year, um, we had went and talked about like, what do we do going forward? We want to improve our quality. And we thought about building like a full home studio and going crazy and like having like these crazy backgrounds with like, you know, cool rock and roll photos and uh, a lava lamp and <laughs> all that stuff. And yeah, we looked at cameras and audio equipment and it was like kind of astounding how expensive it was, but then it was also going to take longer to do the same types of videos. And mm -hmm. uh, we were like, well, you know, we can go down that route or we can just use stock footage and stuff like that mixed in with some other stuff. So I'm, I'm glad we did take that route, but you can go crazy on YouTube in terms of how much you want to spend on stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm looking at that right now, like, you know, yeah. uh, looking at, you know, revamping my studio. If you're watching this, you see my beds in the back, right? And yeah. it, it's something fancy. It does look great job, but it, but that's of interest of mine. Like I, I love watching desk setups and how yeah, people too. manage to do, you know what I mean? And but to, to your point, you have to be, it, it's, it's not that it's needed, but it, it definitely does help, right? Quality of production can help, but it doesn't make the video. Yeah, it's like, it's like a nice thing to have. Like a lot of YouTubers that I watch, they have like just the perfect backgrounds and backdrops. So when we started looking for like <laughs> zebra printed, like uh, sofas and just some vine, um, uh, velvet sofas, all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, this is getting <laughs> crazy. Like are, are people really going <laughs> to sit through this? Uh, and there's probably YouTubers who do it much better than me. So uh, we just said, you know, we're just going to do better um, editing and we're just going to put more into the audio and the storytelling and mm -hmm. let it speak for itself. And I think it was the right decision, but who knows, maybe down the road, we'll do the odd video that way. Yeah. You brought up storytelling and that is one of the questions I had prepared for you and yeah. how important it is, it is in your videos. Like, can you walk us through your process for yeah. storytelling and um, on YouTube? Yeah, like with my storytelling, um, I'll give you an example. I guess if anybody's watching this, they'll probably figure out like what bands are coming. Like we're doing one on uh, the band Candlebox. They were like big in the 90s. They were one of these Seattle bands that they came like, they came around the time of grunge, but they were accused of like ripping off all those bands. Mm. So I wanted to, that was a really early video I had done, but it was like, like I said, crap quality. I wanted to um, update it and add more info. So when, when we look at a topic like that, um, I really want to focus more specifically on the period when they're like uh, that, when they were the most famous and how they got mm. there. And, yeah. you know, rather than just, you know, rehashing what people already know, there's some really, my favorite thing is to find old magazines from like 1993 or 1994 and actually read some of those articles. There's some stuff that's so great that you will never find on anybody else's website just by having like old Rolling Stones or old, you know, billboard magazine or spin magazines. And that's kind of where we start. And then we start looking at like the early days of the band and how did we, how did they get, what happened behind the scenes with the record labels to like get them to where they are. <clears throat> that's a lot mm. of things people don't know. And that's what makes our, <clears throat> excuse me, videos unique. So we really focus on that period um, for really any band story we're telling is like that famous period, how they get there. And then how did it fall apart? 
and you know we kind of just go from there it kind of follows like a similar format so the beginning of the video is like a teaser for like this is what we're going to talk about today and it's kind of cliffhanger then the intro comes and then we start about um about the story of like the band like Candlebox. so one thing i've tried to do is that i want to make longer videos almost like short documentaries so mm. before i was doing like five to seven minutes this one maybe end up being 16 to 20 minutes long yeah but yeah the storytelling i mean to write a script like that it can take like i'm already on week number i'm finished the first week of it and i'm still writing it so some i usually have five or six scripts going at once and i just kind of toggle between based on what i'm feeling during the day like yeah. you know you being a creative person you know that some you got to be in that zone like if you're not feeling it it's like i just walk away and i'll just come back to it when i feel it like i've got i've had scripts for like the sit sit for like six months and i just don't finish them until like yeah i'm ready or sometimes you you try sometimes it's hard with storytelling because some bands i want to do are stories but there's just not enough meat there or it's not interesting enough it's, yeah. it's sometimes difficult but my fans yeah. have, my subscribers have some great ideas like a lot of our content we put up now is just suggestions that they propose to me some of which i've never even heard before these stories so do they propose like bands to review i'm sure right they um, probably give you thoughts no. around that uh, not so much like reviewing bands, but they're like, oh, there's this cool story about, you know, one that we're doing next week is uh, the metal band Slayer. But then when they came up, there was like another Slayer. So there's like two Slayers that were out at the same time. One was in Texas and one was in LA. And it was a crazy story. They played together on the same bill, and the, but they had like this legal battle over the name. I had never known that story until somebody suggested it through our feedback form. So I went and read wow. the story and just wrote the script and it's coming out next week. And I always make a point of telling our fans like next week is fan week. This was a suggestion. This is why we're putting it out. And people mm -hmm. have given us really good feedback. So yeah, we don't do really too many reviews and I, I try to be impartial on my channel. I just want to be there as like a, as like a medium to tell the story. And mm -hmm. that's what I see my purpose as. I don't feel as comfortable on, on the camera. That's why we have like visuals and stuff. Mm -hmm. so. And, and would that, would you say like, that's to knowing yourself, like having, being self-aware that what, where your skill might be versus where your skill yeah. might not be. Yeah, like I don't think I'm the best guy to be reviewing music and um, giving my opinion on it. I feel like music, especially, it's just like politics or religion. It's like very um, uh, divisive. Like even on my channel, some bands are so divisive. Like uh, mm -hmm. I know anytime I'm going to upload a video from a certain band, there's going to be some people who love it and there's some people who hate that band. But they'll, yeah. they'll make it known. But it's like that's that's just part of it, right? Um, mm -hmm. To me, at the end of the day, it's not so much about the bands. It's just about whether there's an interesting story to tell um or not some bands i want to do but there's just it's maybe not an interesting story to tell does that like does that ever fear you yet like, that your fans won't like the band that or the video you're about oh, to yeah. post right and does that prevent you from posting or no, no every video that i put up like going forward i always am proud of that video like even if it doesn't do well um, or maybe it's a band that's not well known. I can be like, well, I still did that. And I learned something about that band too. So um, a lot of the times when I'm writing scripts, I'm learning stuff as I'm writing it. Um, mm -hmm. But it doesn't scare me. Like I never go like, oh, I'm not going to do this video. There may be some, you know, where you start getting into like, you know, certain topics. Because, you know, YouTube is, the problem with YouTube is that censorship has been a huge problem. So certain mm -hmm. topics like YouTube will like censor certain videos or they'll, you know, demonetize certain videos because you say one word. And it's like you put all those hours into work and then you kind of get screwed yeah. over. Which 
that is not a fun thing to deal with. So, yeah, yeah I mean, that's the only thing that kind of like dictates whether I want to pursue doing a topic or I have to like censor myself when I'm writing the script. That kind of sucks. Yeah. Does that make you want to go off the platform ever? Like, let's say you, yeah. you brought up like mini documentaries. Like, would you ever consider being the director for a Netflix series? You know, if you get up there. <laughs> oh man, that that would be cool. But um, it would. There's definitely other platforms besides YouTube. Like Rumble is a big one that's come up uh, recently, which I know a lot of creators are flocking to. Um, at least on the political side. Mm -hmm. um, so I may, I'm exploring whether I want to go to rumble. Um, but it's just like, you've only got so much time during the day to like test stuff out. So, mm -hmm. um, maybe in the future, but right now, I mean, YouTube has been good to me and, um, I still want to keep, that's where most of my audience is. So I still want to keep creating there, but it's definitely in the back of my mind. Yeah. Like yeah. I want to, like, how about yourself? Like, cause I know you're on YouTube. Have you ever thought about like going off the platform and trying something else? The one thing I'm trying right now, it, YouTube is is my primary focus, but TikTok has been huge to growing across kind of like the different networks. Yeah, um, I was on uh, Clubhouse earlier today, which is another new app that I'm. Yeah, trying I actually out. got introduced to it last week, uh, which I didn't even know what Clubhouse was until last week. It, it, it's honestly, it's really really cool. But there was a room specifically for content creators considering TikTok. And I'm on the platform, but I was doing fun videos with my girlfriend, like not, not taking it seriously. And I learned there's like a bunch of talented young videographers, photographers blowing up and they are literally within a few short videos, a few short weeks blowing up and it's cross um, the platforms, right? Now people are following them on Instagram, on YouTube, oh, wow. on Twitter. And so TikTok has been just an amazing resource. So that's the the only platform I'm really considering putting more effort into right now, because um, like you said, it's hard to grow on YouTube. Like you can be very, very talented and it's, it's, it's a long-term play because YouTube is a search engine. I believe it's still the king of all platforms next to Google. Um, you know, Google's number one, YouTube's number two for searching content and figuring out your answers. But for bringing awareness, like TikTok has just been huge. Like I had a half a million view oh, wow. video of my girlfriend and I, nothing to do with what I do. It was just like a trend and we, you know, we do fun things. And, and I think, you know, people like to see that, right? So um, yeah, that's the only platform I'm really considering at the moment. Because yeah, we started really pushing Instagram this year. And uh, to me, I didn't have any idea how to use, even use Instagram, but um, TikTok is something we're exploring, like we maybe want to do in the near future. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think Instagram's definitely brought more awareness to our channel. And I think oh, a yeah. lot of what we do on Instagram, we do like short little teasers for like the videos that are out on YouTube. Um, so maybe, maybe who knows, maybe there'll be like a good thing to use on TikTok as well. Yeah, honestly, I, I try my best to be on as much as I can. Of course, some, I, I'm just not as skillful like Twitter. I just, I, I'm not, I'm a better at speaking than I am writing. Like I know that for me to flush out an idea, I press the record button, I like dump everything and either I'll go back review and write it or I will actually edit out and then just pick the good stuff and then I'll reshoot or just keep it like that. Like I, I get inspired and I just, like dump all my ideas out and that's always been kind of my creative process and i don't think it's the most efficient process at all but it seems to be what's working for me
Yeah, it's it's funny. Like uh, I, I we have Twitter and Facebook, but I don't really use them because I just don't feel like they're the best platforms for what we're doing. It, yeah. That may change in the future, but I find like as a project manager, when it comes to my job, I'm super organized. I'm super on top of stuff. I feel like with the YouTube, it's like it's almost like laissez-faire. It's like uh, it's not as organ- <laughs> organized. It's like I wish I was a little more. That's where my wife comes in. She's like the chief operating officer and deals with like the day-to-day stuff. And she does. A, she's way more organized than I am. Like uh, yeah. Not when it comes, I'm just, I just want to create and like, leave me alone. And I've always yeah. been like that. Uh, when, even when I was a PM, like I never wanted people to, I never worked well under micromanagers. I want people to give me a project and say, run with it. And that's how I, yeah. and then I just need people there. If I'm asking, you need to ask questions or I need some guidance, but um, yeah. that's the nice thing about YouTube is that you're not answerable to anybody except yourself. And in a way your subscribers and your fans. But I found like, that's kind of like a mutually beneficial relationship. Like they're getting content, but you're also having like a social interaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It comes back to self-awareness. Know yourself. I, I think I talk about this a lot on the podcast and with guests or solo episodes, how knowing yourself and knowing where you're strongest and, and like double downing on it, you know, like if you are strong on video or if you're a better writer, my girlfriend you know, she has a hard time with video, but she's an amazing, amazing writer. And I say, like, write out your scripts and maybe the video will be easier for you because you're not searching for your words. You're reading what you already thought of. Right. And it's just knowing yourself. Yeah. And that was the other thing. Like when I started, the other thing I would tell myself when I was starting out is like, I had no training or any kind of experience doing voice recording. So I would read a script like I was I wouldn't read it like an actual narrative. It sounded so horrible when I would read it, but now I put pauses in. I kind of try to be, I'm not the most emotional person, but I try to do my best at it. But yeah, my wife's the same. Like she's, she doesn't really enjoy video editing, but she's an amazing writer. And mm-hmm. she writes some scripts for me. Like, like I could never write that good. Like, a, yeah. And uh, even some, I think you and I are similar in that way. Yeah, like even if someone will write it too. <laughs> some of my subscribers tell me, right? Like that's not good English or something. And I'm like, you're watching a rock and roll video. Like, I don't think people are coming here for English, but yeah, I mean, English was my weakest spot when it, even though I was born here, uh, uh, when it came to like school and stuff. So, yeah. But I, I did want to also say um, another thing that's really helpful with having YouTubers grow. And one thing I've kind of learned recently is to not only engage with your subscribers, but engage with other people who are in the same niche. So mm. uh, it's weird when I follow certain YouTubers in the music niche, I'll comment on videos and then people, you know, because our name is Rock and Roll True Stories, it's tantalizing enough that people will click on it and they'll like mm-hmm. pick up a lot of subscribers that way. Uh, doing stories on YouTube is huge too. Like we pick up a lot of subs just doing stories. And I haven't got into that yet. Like, are you talking about the YouTube shorts or are you talking yeah. about like actual stories on the app? Um, well, I think it's only on the app. I don't think you can access it on the desktop as far as I know, but you can just do like a 15 second story. And that gets us a lot of subs because they send you the data on your subs. And like that gets you like a couple hundred subs just by posting those. So wow. those are great. But yeah, by engaging in other with other creators, um, it's kind of funny now. Um, people are like, oh my God, I never thought I'd see you comment on one of these videos or we love your videos or something like that. Or maybe yeah. people who've never heard of you will discover your channel. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's been good too. But like, you don't want to spam people's channel, but like just like have something to contribute to that social discussion too. Um, Even nothing to say, you know, you don't yeah. have to say something, but to your point, like, yeah, you're, you're bridging a connection and whether they click on it and then love what you do or don't, you're at least opening the doors to opportunity. Yeah. And one of my favorite um, YouTubers is a guy named Rick Beato. He's like a music, um, he's a record producer, but he also like is 
knowledge of music theory is astounding but he has some really cool videos of just him talking and he was talking about like how a lot of 90s bands died when the millennium happened so i just mm-hmm. said you know oh man i love some of those bands um and it's yeah it seems like they disappear after the millennium and then i had like a bunch of people like reply back to me and i interact with them um so i think that the other thing that's really important and my dad kind of taught me this too when i was uh, younger is that like no matter how successful you get in life or how big you get, like you should always try to make time to, uh, to chat and be social with everybody. Um, mm-hmm. And that was one of the skills that I feel like being an engineer that a lot of engineers don't have is so- those soft skills is like, um, I remember, and this is advice to everybody who's watching is, um, and this will probably help them in their career and their personal life. Uh, when I used to work in my office, we used to have this underground parkade where there used to be like parking guys and I used to know the names of every parking guy who worked there and I'd chat with them every day. I know they, you know, they tell me their family life. They tell me about what they were doing. And I can guarantee you nobody I worked with ever knew the names of any of those people because I made time every day when I was exiting the parkade to chat with them. And they'd always light mm-hmm. up when they saw me. And it's not because I'm just because I chatted with them doing simple stuff like that or talking to people at Starbucks or wherever you're going in your day and being social. Yeah. It makes you a much better conversationalist and it also shows like, you know, you're memorable and you're a bit different. That's going to help you in your career, those soft skills. Like, yeah. um, if you ever watch like the TV show, The Office, like Michael Scott, maybe, a, a, you know, what do you ever think of him as a boss? But he's a great salesman because he 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 can connect with people, especially with his clients that a lot of the salesmen that you see can't you know so mm-hmm. um that was the most valuable thing i think my dad taught me and uh, i always interact with my fans like i'm always replying to comments when i can so i'm not this person who's like a big youtuber who's not having time for the fans um mm-hmm. so i try to interact as much as i can with them said i think that's a great way to kind of end us off but before we go why don't you let us know let the audience either watching or listening know how they can connect with you uh where you want to direct them to um just let us know how we can best uh follow you and support you yeah so you can just literally google search rock and roll true stories or go on youtube and we should be like the first thing that pops up and yeah we just tell interesting stories like specific stories about rock and roll about albums bands incidents feuds um controversies um all that interesting stuff from like the 60s all the way to like now but if you're somebody who grew up during like the 80s and 90s i think you'll definitely find something to to like on our channel if you're into rock music that's awesome Sid. i can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing us your story the awesome tips on how to grow on youtube how to battle kind of the fears that people are having you know with posting videos on youtube and just it was just an awesome conversation so thank you so much for coming on the show and thank you guys for listening or watching please follow subscribe both sid and myself and my name is kyler miles i'm the host of the making it happen podcast thank you guys so much take care